can have... It's like taking a... Um, I don't know if either of you are really big into cars. I know you're not in the car, you. I'm but, not. Um, well, you know what a car is. <laughs> no, what's a car? Um, you can have what's called like a, uh, a sleeper, right? Something that's very unassuming. Say, it could be like a rundown little Camry. But you look at the internals, and it's something entirely different. It'll leave you in the dust. It's the same thing. You can buy something stock, like a stock vehicle. That stock vehicle in this little thing that I'm going through being your set martial art. That doesn't mean that you have to stay to that vehicle. You don't have to stay on that martial art specifically. It's always going to be there. You can't do anything about it. Once you have once you have partaken in it, once you have stuck with it, you're stuck with it forever. That's always going to be a part of your training, right? You can go and do a week of Taekwondo, learn one kick, and then completely just disown it. But you're still going to have the experience from that class. You can't get rid of that. If you're sitting there and you're training Muay Thai, and you decide you want to go into some kickboxing matches, right? You think you're going to enjoy it. Well, hey, I'm not going to get mad at you if you go and train Taekwondo or Karate or Savat, whatever else that you would like to add to help influence your Muay Thai. All you're doing is giving yourself direction. You're taking different aspects of a different art and applying them to your main art to enhance them. And everyone always wants to sort of accredit this sort of mindset to, oh, it's MMA, oh, it's Bruce Lee, oh, it's whatever... This is just basic logic. Yeah. Like, I can't think of one area in the martial arts that doesn't have this logic, or I'd never had this logic, you know? It's like the whole basis of most, some of the most popular martial arts out there was, hey, I've seen this, I've done this, yeah, I know this more than that, but I've got these roots, I've got this inspiration, and then we get a new system. Also, I know we can't forget and not have the experience we had, but I really wish I didn't have that Hapkido experience I had. Was it well, a bad experience? Say, he had a he had a horrible experience with Hapkido. They they made us they made us do uh, Karate Kid crane kicks off the three sixty spinning hop. Oh dear! Did anyone sprain their so ankle? We, uh, real quick, no, no. Before we continue, I'd like to make a public announcement. We are in no way hating on Hapkido. We have a we have a guest star. Who's a close friend of ours who trains Hapkido. And he yeah, our, our first guest Star Griffin in the first episode. Yeah, he trains Hapkido and he'll explain how Hapkido can work. He is hating on this specific school. This specific school, school that made us lift one leg into the air, put our arms out like a crane wing, jump around in 360, hopping on that one leg, and then do a jumping front kick from stationary. Yeah. And and then told me that it was all that it was one hundred percent combat applicable. That everything they did in that school, nothing was for tradition, nothing was for warm ups. Everything was applicable. Oh boy. Oh, they they also used their belts to whip knives and guns out of people's hands, but we're not even going there. I know there was one Kempo at my old school and we would use the belt like it was a, a combination and there was like a version with the belt and a version without the belt and one of the versions of the belt um, you choked them <laughs> now one thing I'd like to point out is all of us here we have a decent understanding of karate for example right we know what karate is 
No, not a fucking clue. <laughs> well, just let me finish. Let me let me have this. We know what karate is, right? I myself, I've trained for a number of years. Um, Luca, you're just a weave, and Masa, she's done her research. Anyways. Hey, so, I did karate. I did a bullshito Shotokan Goju school. <laughs> Anyways, if you go to an MMA gym and you bring up karate to them, what style are they going to say is the best, the strongest karate? Kyokushin. Alright, Kyokushin, because well, Kyokushin is full of a lot of parlor tricks. They really are. Like, I've got to respect them for that. I don't hate Kyokushin. I really don't. I don't like them, but I don't hate them. But that's neither here Like nor every there. martial art here. Pretty much. If you look into Kyokushin, I'm going directly off of Wikipedia right now. It says, Kyokushin is a style of karate founded by Masutatsu Oyama, Masuyama for short. I go over here to the side. It says, Ancestor Arts. Gojiryu, Shotokan, Bogosuki Karate, Boxing, Takion, and Subak. What were we just talking about? Throughout history, people didn't sit in their own little thing, right? That's how new styles are made. I mean, you yeah, if we go into just... any of those arts, we'll find their history as well. Yeah, like, people can't be sitting there... There's a difference between keeping your art true and holding yourself back, if that makes sense. A lot of times, I have experienced this in the States, right? I have gone to schools who... Claimed to do Shito Ryu and claimed to do Shoren Ryu, and I'll ask them about the history of the styles because I dabbled in the two. I've played around with them. I've talked to a lot of individuals who have trained. They will not have any history of their style. Their whole mindset is, well, this is how the karate is. This is how it was taught to me, so this is the way it has to be done. And I'll be able to pull up videos of people that I'm in contact with doing similar katas, the same name completely different, actually having application, not stylized for competition. And their immediate response is, well, you know, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. That's not how I was taught. Well, that may not be how you're taught, but this is how it's being done at the headquarters in Japan. So, either these guys in Japan doing the katas are wrong, or maybe the Americans hopping on one leg and doing 360 spins, as Lucas said, maybe they're wrong. It's just something to think about. A lot of times people get caught up in it like, we don't need to change, but maybe they're the ones that, wrong, that are wrong. Yeah, everyone times... always wants to say traditional martial arts are martial arts that will put tradition over growing, changing, and being functional. But I hate that definition because everything we class as a traditional martial art was made by growing and changing to be more functional. Like, literally, bar a couple of notable exceptions where they were literally changed to be less functional or more sports-based. You leave names Let's out. Look... I'm not naming anything. Let's look at karate was a mix of Chinese martial arts, Okinawan wrestling, traditional Muay Thai, and then it came to Japan, and they mixed in Judo, which was brought back and mixed into some of the other styles. Like, let's look at Shaolin Kung Fu, one of the most famous Kung Fus. It's a mix of styles found throughout the temple and the villages around the temple. The Shaolin temples now teach multitude of styles. They have Sanda competitions. They have a team for Sanda, 
which if you don't know some is Chinese full contact kickboxing with takedowns. Everything we class as a traditional art or art that won't evolve. If you look at its history, its conception, its nature, its original masters, it probably some it's probably something that evolves. Um, I I'd, I'd like to bring up a point. Now, Go I, for it. you two are valued team members. I need permission before I say what I'm about to say. <laughs> um, you can cut this. Out. I need permission. I'm gonna say something that involves both Shotokan and BJJ. Do it. Okay. So what I want to bring up is two different arts, two very different arts, two arts that are both loved and hated. These arts are Shotokan Karate and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So the two styles I'm talking about being Shotokan and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. A little bit of history first. I am a black belt in Kinkojuku Shotokan. Kinkochiku being the predecessor to Shotokan as a whole. It's pre-World War II teachings of Gichin Funakoshi. Right? That's that's covering my bases. I can hate on the art because I do it. I can hate on the art because I have experience in it. Now, BJJ. I trained BJJ for a couple years. We'll, we'll put it at that. Just a couple years. Before I switched over to different arts. Alright? Namido Jiu-Jitsu. I have a black belt in Shot and uh, Kinkojiku Shotokan, and I trained BJJ for a number of years. All right, now that that's out of the way, I can hate on these systems. You don't have to go to the comment section hating on me, hating on them, because I'm not going to read the comments. I'm just going to listen to these two laugh at them. All right, Shotokan. The example I'm going to give with people being what holds it back, not the system, the people. Right. When we look into, for example, the kata. Our uh, Goju Shio Kata, right? Right? The Kinkojuku Goju Shio Sho? No. Ah, I'm getting, I'm getting crossed. Anyways, when I look into the Shotokan Kata, um, Goju Shio Sho, it looks like the Kinkojuku Kata, Goju Shio Dai. Right? Were you following from right here? Yep. Our Goju Shio looks like JKA's Goju Shio Sho. The Gojushio Sho and Gojushio Dai Kata within the JKA were actually switched in the 1960s. Why Why were they switched? Why Why would they do this? Well, a, um, a certain prominent instructor was competing at a tournament, you know, trying to look nice. And he said the name of one of the Gojushio Katas. But the Kata that he performed was a different kata. Now, naturally, you would just ignore it or mention it to the instructor, say, hello, sir, um, you said the wrong name or you stuttered, etc., right? That's just common sense, right? Yeah? yeah? Yeah. It's respectful. You can be respectful with that. You know what the JKA did? What his Switched students, the names around. They switched the names around to save face for him. You can still look into this. Like, don't take my word for it. Do the research. Okay, that's my example. The people will hold you back more than the art will. That's in Shotokan. In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, before I say something, I'm, I'm going to let these two here vouch for me. They know that I, I do not care for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. 
Yeah, that's right. an understatement. <laughs> that, that it's an understatement, but I'm being I'm being fair. I do not care for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I can respect some of the athletes that come from it, but I do not care for it as a system. All right. There's some guys that I like. There's a lot that I do not. Again, this is from training it for a number of years. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I have talked to more Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners than I care to admit. I've trained with a good number of them. After training with them, I've noticed something with the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community. They have no history. No sense of history. They don't really claim the origins of their systems. What would, what would this mean? Everyone says, well, BJJ innovated judo. Well, I'm, I'm not going to bring up the argument of everything that you see within BJJ can be found within old Japanese jiu-jitsu and judo itself. My argument is, when they claim all these things, they were taught falsely to begin with. What does that mean? I train with a, um, a very prominent instructor here in the States. He's a certified black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Really talented individual. Before I switched to uh, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu and Judo, I, I, had, was a, I had a little bit of a misunderstanding with Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. It really confused me. This instructor in BJJ says the difference between Japanese Jiu-Jitsu and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is Japanese Jiu-Jitsu is all about brute force. Lucario, you, you've you've trained Japanese Jiu Jitsu before. Yeah. You guys have it within the Shirinji uh, Kempo syllabus. Yeah. We have Hakuryu and Fusenryu. That's uh, led to claim the history is a bit off, but yeah, Hakuryu and Fusenryu is the claim. Jiu Jitsu. Right. Is it all about brute brute force? Not in the slightest. Jiu Jitsu in itself is about leverage. Yeah. Right? So, I'm not just going to use that example. This, this BJJ instructor has been training it for a long time, and I I respected him dearly for it. He was really great with his Neiwaza. But he was making the claim that Japanese Jiu-Jitsu is just brute force. This is very wrong. This is extremely wrong. But all of his students, when they would go off and teach their own students, what were they going to tell, what were they going to tell them stu- their own students about Japanese Jiu-Jitsu? It's brute force. Yeah. It travels down. You look into different things within the BJJ community. They claim that Helsing Gracie... No, not Helsing Gracie. You look at different things within the BJJ community. They claim that the reason the emphasis is on the Nawaza, the ground game, is because Elio was just... He, he just thought it was better for smaller people, right? They always bring up that he was sickly... A lot of other individuals within judo were sickly as well. And they had great nagewaza. Yeah. Gracie, which, no disrespect, the man the man accomplished a lot. He accomplished a lot. His marketing was genius. I will praise him with that. I will praise him until the day I die. Right? His marketing was on point. Everyone wants to claim that, well, he focused on the nawaza because... Judo's Neiwaza is extremely lacking, and he just felt the Neiwaza was better for smaller people. Okay. 
if you have someone, for example, Masa size. Masa, how much how much do you weigh roughly, and how tall are you? Uh, I weigh one fifty eight as of this morning. Uh, that's pounds, and I am five foot one. All right, Lucario, what is your weight and height roughly? I am five foot ten, and in pounds, I am roughly two thirty. Okay. Masa, if someone who weighs 230 was trying to pin you with all they have, with your your current grappling experience, they wanted to do physical harm to you, would you feel more confident defending yourself standing up or laying on your back and trying to submit them? Standing up, obviously. Because there's this little thing. Gravity makes it a little bit harder to stand up than to keep standing. Right, if you're standing, you're fine. But if you're on the ground, it's going to be a little bit harder to stand back up. That's just a little bit of common sense. If Luca here were to try to hurt you and you immediately pulled him to the ground, you're essentially laying on an anvil. So that's my one little. That's I'm a I'm a blacksmith. I've got to bring that up. I got to throw in my little piece right there. He's essentially having you on a stationary position, which is not, not going to allow any gift for receiving strikes. Okay. I'm not going to argue about Nawaz and not being effective. It is. It really is. What I'm bringing up is discrepancies within the history. They claim that he focused on it because it was better for the better for self-defense, better for um, smaller individuals. Kyuzo Mifune did not seem to think so, but that's besides the point. You look, you look into actual historical accounts of Elio Gracie training judo. Do you know why he focused on the um, Nawaza? Why? Because he could not understand the Nagewaza. I've taught people the basics of grappling before. I've taught a little, a fair little, a fair little bit. It is easier for me to teach someone on their first day Hey, lay here, wrap your legs around them, and this is how you choke them from this position. This is how you grab a joint lock. This is how you transition. This is how you pin. That's easy. They'll pick it up really, really, really quickly, right? Yeah, I can say, honestly, as, as I've started more recently focusing on more Nawaza, and I have done a lot of throwing and uh, locks and from standing before, I picked up... Uh, Bridging and rolling and pinning a lot quicker put the elements that I've trained than I picked up the throws that we started to train. Because there's more room for error on the ground. You're at such a position that, hey, if you go to, for example, just a basic scissor sweep from uh, Close Guard, if you go to do a scissor sweep and your leg's a little bit too far forward, still essentially work. It's a little bit too far back, it'll still essentially work. Is that the same case when you're doing Nagewaza? You're trying to throw them to the ground? No. Throws are perfection. They really are. Takedowns are in general. You off-balance them, you have to you have to take advantage of their point of off-balancement. The ground, not so much. And this isn't to say that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is easy in a war, that what they do can be done really easily. It's more so to say that you have more options, and so picking it up is quicker, so in less time you can learn more. 
Exactly. My point being, I know this has been a little bit of a long rant. My point is, again, the discrepancies within history. You go and you ask a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructors, hey, why did Elio focus on Newaza instead of Nagiwaza? They're probably going to disagree with me. You can look into it. You can figure out your own opinions on the matter. I'm just saying what I found within my own research. Now, how does this go into competition? Because that's kind of our little topic point for this whole podcast, right? How does that go into competition? Yeah. Well, Luca, would you consider yourself a striker or a grappler? Uh, definitely a striker. Right? What do you think deals more damage? You trying to pin someone who may have more wrestling experience than you, or you somehow managing to outstrike them and hopefully land a good takedown and trying to sit there and cave their face in instead of trying to submit them? Yeah, I'd probably take probability? the second. What do you think has a higher probability the probability of working for you? I'd say the one where I'm hitting them, since that's what I kind of do. So the second one, so like the ideal there. There you go. So let me ask you, let me ask both of you this to kind of give some entertainment for our viewers. How much grappling is actually needed from a good striker to be proficient within the cage? Ah, now that's a, that, that's an argument that will go a long way, my dears. I've already <laughs> had this argument. I had it two days ago. That's why I thought it'd be we good. We had it when we were talking about, uh, was it, who was it we were talking about? Khabib and... Um... Oh, yeah, Khabib, the white belt in BJJ. No, not that. We were talking about Khabib <laughs> versus some dude that you really love. Was it uh, Don Fry? Don Fry. Yeah, we were talking about Khabib versus Don Fry and who would win there. Just and because Don Fry's... Kind of tough yeah so I, I say to be a obviously you need some level of grappling to compete in mixed martial arts there is no question about it there whether it's judo sambo bjj jjj whatever works whatever you train that's good you know yeah uh if you're a striking heavy person and a striking pro proficient person then you're going to need to know take down defense you're going to need to know how to escape from mount and get back up. You're going to need to know a couple of takedowns yourself because you can't always rely on outstriking someone because you're going to fight people who are better strikers than you. That's just an inevitability. I would say at least a year of uh specifically like sambo, judo, catch wrestling, something that has submissions on the ground, and then some other kind of wrestling or judo for like at least six months. So a year and a half grappling is the minimum for high-level MMA competition if you're a striker. There's what I'd say. With regular like courses, top-ups, whatever, sparring. Yeah, so I'd say a year and a half with regular sparring afterwards for is what you need. I always bring up one specific fighter for those that say you need to focus solely on grappling for the cage because you can be an okay striker. If you're a good grappler or a decent grappler, you can survive. Chuck Liddell. Have you watched any of Chuck's fights? 
I think we've watched a couple, uh, like, on Facebook and stuff. Alright, Chuck's one of my... He's he's one of my preferred fighters. I like him. He's... I think he has a background in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and collegiate wrestling. I could be mistaken, but I think that's where his background is. What's funny, though, is when you watch his fights, how many fights... Well, you get, you don't really know who I'm speaking of, but you don't see a lot of his fights where he's relying solely on grappling. You see he's got them overhand right. punches. You, he's He's a decent striker. But he's really why I bring this point up. How much grappling do you actually need? I've seen some fighters who have made a whole career out of just learning how to sprawl off of everything and how to get back up to their feet. I've met some great boxers that could sit there and they can throw with anybody, the best of them. But as soon as they get just taken down by a decent jiu it's kind of hell for them. Yeah. Now, you take that same boxer and you teach him, hey, this is how you don't die, then it's a different story. Because if he knows how, hey, this is how you don't get taken to the ground, if he knows how to stop it, it's really different right then, because then he has, he has a fighting chance. And I don't care how good a grappler you are, you kind of seem to think about what you're doing whenever you're getting punched in the face. For example... Yeah. I think it was the Don Fry versus Takayama fight. I think it's Takayama. The um, the fight where they uh, clasped their heads and they just started just going to town on each other, right? I showed you that highlight, right? Yeah. Imagine being a decent wrestler, shooting for a double on him, and having him just clasp up and start caving in. Would you want to finish the double? Probably not. I mean... I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying it gives you something to think about. Yeah, I think the overall point from that is whatever you're competing in, you need to be ready to compete in all the areas that's going to cover. And so I guess maybe train your weak points rather than your strong ones. I mean, obviously train your strong points so you can keep them strong, but have a good focus on where you're weaker at. Like, you can't just go into there and expect to be able to do it because you can do something else. Prime example of that. And I know everyone's going to get mad about this because of, like, the, oh, he's retired, he's had a hit replacement, whatever. The Askren versus Paul fight. Jake knocked that dude out because he wasn't ready to go into striking. He thought, I'm an MMA fighter, I'm an athlete, I've had striking experience in the cage, I'm going to be good. But he had no guard, he moved like he was still wrestling, grappling, even though he couldn't. And the punches went straight between his hands, and it was a clean knockout. Like, you need to be ready for whatever you're going to experience and whatever you're competing in. What about you, Master? What do you think about how much grappling you need as a striker to compete in mixed combat? Um, I think it was kind of covered, just the idea of being able to prevent the takedowns and then having to be able to get back up from different positions, just getting out of there and getting back up on your feet. Yeah, like, I I would say I kind of a little bit disagree with what you said, Lo, on that I don't think that you need to train grappling as much as you would say you have to, just because 
if you're a good enough striker, then you can, especially depending on what kind of striker you are, you have really good footwork to sort of uh, avoid that as well. Who's the best striker you know of? That's definitely a hard question. Uh, Just off the top of your head, who comes to mind when you think a good striker? My favorite striking-focused uh, fighter is Wonderboy. How do you think it would go if you fought uh, Khabib? Uh, not particularly well for the dude. I mean, he's got he he does BJJ, but like, yeah, Khabib is. <laughs> well, I mean, so does Connor. I think putting putting anyone against Khabib is a bit of an unfair fight here, my dudes. I, like, will let you is know. A... I would I would ha I would try to have fun with that match. I know I'd prob I would most likely lose. It's very probable I would lose. Anyways, what I'm saying is, a good striker, if they get taken down, it's just it's really the end for them. Now there have some been there have been some really nice knockouts from the bottom. But it's just not common. I, just, I think another that question really on that end, though, is what counts as being a striker or a grappler? Because none of us are exclusively one or the other um, in different senses. Pretty exclusively Ma striker. Yeah, but even your Kempo has, like, joint locks and stuff, no? Yeah. That's not striking, just because you're standing. Or not throwing them, that's not a striking thing, you're locking them up, you're controlling them. Yeah, but, like, there's no way anyone could consider me a grappler. Yeah, but can you be considered exclusively a striker? Masa, I tell you what, More I consider less. you a grappler. I consider you a grappler. <laughs> if you can throw your personal chef into a rack, you're a grappler. Okay, but that was just, like... A flip that I messed up on. And he's not a personal chef. going up to their parents and just hip throwing them into their trophy racks, so they get low stamp of approval. Now, here's what I'm gonna say: this, on different levels, we see low. You are experienced striking and grappling. You've done BJJ. You do judo and Japanese jiu-jitsu. You've done wrestling. You do karate. You do Muay Thai. You do Filipino arts. But. All of that is on different levels. Now, Muay Thai is more considered more exclusive striking than Karate, which is more exclusive striking than Filipino arts, which is more exclusive striking than Judo. And it goes down like that. But none of them, at least especially with the traditional Thai that you train, none of them are exclusively striking arts as well. So how much does that experience play over in escaping takedown defense, because everyone likes to hate on it when you say, I have takedown defense, I do grappling in my hybrid art, but it's a thing. It exists. Yeah. How much does that play there's, into it? There's something that I would like to quote, and I can be I can be corrected in the comments. There's two brothers, right? Remy and Ernesto Preses, right? They're really well known in the Filipino martial arts community. One of them has a quote, that they mention every time you train with them. Right? Do you know what it is? Not a clue. It is based on the idea that drilling a situation that will never happen is useless. When you're sitting there working just a random situation with this man, and he's go you're going through all this fla this uh, flashy drilling, maybe you take away the knife, you take away the stick, or you get a you manage to punch them. You know his immediate response? You could have just hit him with the stick. Keep it simple for stupid. Really. If you look into the origins of all combative arts, 
they're not necessarily focused on, hey, um, we're going to sit here and we're going to defend ourselves, but we don't need to focus on, hey, just punching or, hey, just on the ground. No, it was, hey, if you get taken to the ground, beat them there. If you're still standing up, beat them there. For example, when I ask you about, um, when I ask you about the, um, Kyuzo Mifune, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like, what do you think of when you think Kyuzo Mifune? Really skinny judo guy eating six foot dudes. Alright. When you are thinking of Mifune, right? Right. What do you think of as a martial artist? Oh, judo. Okay. Judo. What do you think of when you think of judo? Throwing. Okay. Mifune had a fight within a restaurant against 13 other individuals. Yeah. Do you know how he won? Uh, no. How did he win? Let's a pretend I haven't seen the video. A Temiwazo. Do you know what a Temiwazo is? Um, is that the striking stuff? I'm gonna yeah, striking. Yeah. This man outstruck a lot of people. Now, you sit here and think of judo nowadays. Okay, you're thinking Olympic judo, you get the throw, you have some ground game. Okay, that's judo. No. If it's a martial arts system, it's going to have applications everywhere. He knew, hey, if I throw one person, I may get caved in on the back of the head. So what am I going to do? I'm going to sit here and I'm going to box them up. You box their ears, make it where they don't want to hit you. It's simple as that. All systems were like that. If you look deep enough, I'm sure you could find the most off-the-wall art and look around somewhere. They may have 110% of their students believe, hey, this is purely striking. This is all we do. No, you're going to find some grappling somewhere. Even it's boxing just... back in the day had, like, bear we, hugs we and got a post on this. Crossover within martial arts. Pugilism. You see an Asotogari, you see a um, Ouchigari, you see a lot of takedowns from pugilism, which we will be doing more, more little posts like that. Everything has crossover. I think overall that's part of a wider issue in martial arts is everyone wants to take their lens and apply it to every martial art. So this is kickboxing. This is jujitsu. It's like, what if something is not that? And it comes from another thing of like, these, this is the first person. Like, I'm a really big Bruce Lee fan. I've said that before. I said that in the last podcast. But I don't like that he is given the title of the dude that invented hybrid martial arts or mixing martial arts because every almost every martial art was a hybrid like it did this it did that it's striking kicking punching arms grappling throwing sub submitting whatever like yeah everything is wrestling kickboxing in a sense but it doesn't just have to fit your vision of what wrestling and kickboxing are. That doesn't make it any less of something, and it doesn't have to be one of those unless it's MMA, you know? It, it gets deep. It gets real deep. Alright, guys, this concludes our conversation of competitions within martial arts, as well as going off on a couple different rants. This has been Lo, Lucario, and Masa.
If there's anything else you want to see, please remember to comment, subscribe, let us know if there's anything that interests you. You know where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok now, YouTube, even our website. Until next time.